This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. We're going to get started here in just a minute. Before we do that, uh, if you want to go to practicalshepherding.com, you can access all of our resources. You can reach out to us and contact us. If there's a way that we can be helpful to you, that is the best way to reach out to us. Go to the contact button there that is on the website. Uh, you can access all the different resources from coming to stay at the Shepherd's House to seeing the, all the books in our resources to other podcast episodes to videos of talks we've done. There's just tons of things that are there. Another thing I want to highlight to you that uh, we'll be promoting more this this month as this podcast releases is Practically Trained Pastors is our 52-week field guide, and we actually have the field guide and 10 books that go with it. Well, we now have the field guide in Spanish, and we have all 10 books that go with it in Spanish. So if you are someone who knows a pastor who speaks Spanish or a Spanish-speaking country and would be interested in being able to go through this 52-week field guide, we want to direct your attention to that as well. And you can find all that information on, on the website. But Jim, we want, to, we want to get into topic today, and it's a topic that somebody wrote in, again, through social media. That's how we're kind of gathering, prioritizing really the topics that we're covering because we want to cover what some of you are asking us to cover and what we want to be helpful to you if we can. This topic is an important one though uh, in regard to pastors who are discouraged by uh, what they feel as a lack of fruitfulness in their ministry. The particular question that came in that we want to talk about today is around how do I determine if it's a lack of fruitfulness or if uh, if the lack of fruitfulness is... uh, uh, a lack of gifting, or is is it uh, something else that that I don't know? But but the, the discouragement comes in. I look, I don't see fruit coming from my ministry. Is there something particular I need to look for, and why that is? Is it because I have lack giftings and I don't have fruit, or I don't qualify, so I'm not I don't have fruit in my ministry? So we want to be able to bat this around. There is tons of just facets of things we could talk about mm. around this gym. But before we j- dive into those different areas, what are some biblical texts to think about that might help frame this conversation for us? Brian, there's several different lines of biblical reasoning I think we need to lay out. But I want to begin by, I think, commending the fellow that wrote in. Right. And just that there is a, a sense of, of awareness that maybe maybe the problems with me and i think that's an important thing to sure to look at because i think that naturally we we all do want to think that we're being faithful and that the lack of fruit is that's the generation in which we live and people don't want to hear the truth or you know whatever the case and there may be truth to that and i've heard a lot of men say that and i've said that certainly but sometimes we you know we need to stop and consider so we want to begin i think with the realization that you find in a place like first corinthians chapter four and verse two it is required in stewards that he be found faithful and that's the that's the most important issue yeah. obviously is, yeah. is faithfulness that's what we will be judged on we faithful to the word we faithful to the souls entrusted to you so that paul's able to say in light of that that it's a small thing if i should be judged of you i don't judge myself i uh, i judge nothing against myself uh, you know i'm not justified he says by this but he judges me uh, is the Lord. And yet, you know, we recognize that God, we do believe and have reason to believe God blesses faithfulness and that if we are men of integrity and men that pray and men that are striving to be faithful and utilizing the gifts we have, then I think there is some reasonable expectation of fruit. And that's why 
uh, we're exhorted in Galatians 6, 9, um, don't lose heart and doing good for in due time you will reap if you right. faint not. Right. That's given to people who are discouraged because they're not seeing fruit. Uh, that's the whole background of that. You're being faithful. You're doing what you ought to do. You're doing good. And yet, you know, you're discouraged. And I think that comes out in First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil in the Lord is not in vain. Right. And you ask the question, well, who do you write that to? Who do you say that to? Well, you write it to people that are that begin to feel like, well, why am I serving the Lord? I mean, you even had uh, Psalm 73, Asaph, I've washed my hands in vain, you know, that... I feel like you know the service to the Lord that I'm trying to do isn't bearing what I I think it ought, and and again it it can be discouraging. But I think it's also good and wise for us to stop and to consider: Is there something in me? Is there something in how I'm doing this or how I'm not doing this? I see another church grow. I see other churches that are being blessed and. And they're not the kinds of churches that Paul references in Second Timothy chapter four. They're not tickling itching ears or whatever the case might be. They're not false teachers. Uh, they're teaching sound doctrine, and yet they're growing. And, and my church isn't. And is this? I think the question comes: Is this just a call to keep persevering, to keep trusting, keep laboring, keep doing what's right, or is there a legitimate place for self-examination? And to ask then, I think with two questions we'll probably have to deal with is, uh, am I doing what I'm doing poorly or wrong? Or is this perhaps evidence that this really is not my gifting? Yeah, no, I think you've set that up well. And you know, we, we also want to be, keep in mind too that there are two extremes on this side of the, both sides of this conversation. One is a pastor who's incredibly unaware of himself so it's quick to want to blame kind of everybody else for why things aren't going well. Right. Then there's, on the other side, of the, there, there are pastors with very tender consciences who I think too much so are introspective of um, maybe melancholy and uh, very quick to just be very critical of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I want to highlight that both of, both of those are the two extremes, and we want to frame this conversation with inside of both of those places. Right. Those are two ish, different issues that we're really not t- talking about today. But we want to highlight those things matter when you're talking about uh, evaluating fruitfulness. That's really what this conversation, I think, mm. is about today, is how do we properly evaluate fruitfulness? I think that's where we got to start, because if we don't start here... Then I think that's the thing that kind of make that centers this conversation around everything else. Right. If you're trying to think about whether you have the giftings or not to, and the calling to be a pastor, um, and you're evaluating fruitfulness wrongly, right? There's going to be a skewed conclusion that comes right. with that. So let's let's first start talking about fruit, Jim. I mean, I think there are so we see it a ton, and so we want to state the obvious. We see a ton of pastors discouraged. I would say wrongfully discouraged because mm. they are they are lacking uh, they're not seeing the fruit that is evident right. because they think fruitfulness looks like something else. Let me give you right. just a really obvious op- observ- uh, example to make uh, to just start the conversation. You you got a pastor who's clearly there's signs of spiritual fruit in his congregation. Mm. 
but he's 50 people and thought he'd be at 100 this time right. in his ministry. And so he's judging everything around the new, the numbers of that and totally missing that there's spiritual fruit. That That is evident. He just doesn't see it. Now, I feel like we come across that a lot. Right. And a big part of the work we do is simply sitting down with a pastor and helping him rightly judge the fruit that maybe he's missing. Would you add anything to the misunderstanding of how to evaluate fruit? I, when I think of evaluating fruit, I think of it, I think for most guys, it's related to two things. One is it's numerical growth. Right. That is that new people are coming and staying. But then also, and this is maybe the hardest part that many of us deal with, are, are the issues of conversions, where there's a lack of conversion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, I think if I were to add a third thing, it is the anticipation or expectation that the word will have acted more quickly and brought about a sanctifying work in people that would result in things like commitment yeah. to the stated meetings, commitment to prayer, hospitality, witnessing, uh, evidences of love, gift, uh, 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 a giving you know, those kinds of things where you think, okay, if these folks get the word regularly, if, if they're challenged, uh, then, you know, it, the Spirit's going to use the word and he's going to bring about that growth. And so you know, I think I should have said three things. So those are the things I think you say. You know, one is yeah. you're not seeing visitors or visitors that come and they don't stay. So the church is stagnant number-wise. Or declining. Or declining. And the second thing is that there's a lack of conversion. And the yeah. third thing is that the word has not worked as quickly or specifically, or at least not in the ways you wanted to see the word work. Right. It may be working. It's just not working in the ways you wanted it to work. Yeah, and I think I would add a fourth. That's that's really good list, Jim. I, I would add a fourth, though. And it falls kind of in the category of the numbers game that the, is the first in the amount of people. But I think money and resources. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of guys, I think we naturally conclude fruitfulness or a lack thereof based on money. I mean, we and especially... Pastors are going to feel particularly sensitive to this. I certainly was this way for a long time. I mean, most of my 17 years as the pastor of Auburndale was spent uh, not having nearly as much money and resources as I wished we had. Right. And there's a lot of pastors who conclude because there's some they're all in. I mean, if you're a pastor, if you're a pastor, your full-time salary comes from the church, you live in the parsonage next to the church. Right. I mean, your whole life's you're all in. So it makes you feel like you're, uh, there's a lack of fruit if there's less money than there was the year before. Sure. Or there's less resources to use right. for I mean, There is a business way. element to this. And, it totally and if, is. And if you're the man, you're the, uh, use the analogy, you're the CEO or, you're, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, you're the guy who, uh, and it's, you know, people <laughs> come to the church, they're going to listen to you preach, and some of them are going to decide on the basis of what they hear that Sunday morning whether or not they're ever going to come back. True, right? And if and if you weren't good enough or whatever the case might be, they might not ever come back. If they, you know, so you can feel like it's an evaluation on yourself and your gifts. Yep, that's exactly right. So I think this has got to be the first part of this conversation. I think it's the centerpiece of it because evaluating the accurately what fruit exists or doesn't exist in your ministry has got to be the starting point to have clarity around some of these other questions. Yeah. So, But we want to highlight that first. You know, do the hard work of trying to figure out does how does God evaluate fruitfulness in your ministry or lack yeah. thereof? And and I, I, I find myself saying this all the time, 
to pastors that because the things we just mentioned are the things we naturally all look at. And they're good things to desire. Yeah, all I of think them. that they are, yeah. But the problem is when those things don't exist, are there other ways to evaluate fruit? Because I I think that uh, there's spiritual fruit oftentimes that exists right. in a faithful ministry right. that maybe doesn't show up in the same ways you just you not just right. described, I, but, I, but but they're there. And it it may not be the whole congregation, but it, it may be a pocket of people who are growing. It may right. be, you know, whatever it, it, it might be. To your uh, you had mentioned to me earlier. You know, in Second Timothy four, you know, Paul writes to Timothy, and how did you describe what was happening there? Yeah, well, that Paul was the faithful. I mean, Timothy was being exhorted to have a faithful ministry, and he was watching people leave his church to go to other churches for, for that had, un- that had yeah. unfaithful ministries. Yeah, he said they were going to accumulate, you know, heap up to themselves teachers, and he needed to endure affliction, continue to do what he was called to do, and be faithful, even though the fruit he could look at and say, "I've got a declining church." Yep even though he was being faithful. Yeah, and that, that's why it's important to put that out there too, is the sometimes the church shrinking, declining numerically, mm. is a sign of spirit, is fruitfulness. Yeah. Sometimes the, the people who held a stranglehold on the church, who had all the money too, leaves the church, and you're left in financial dire straits. Right. But that's actually fruitfulness mm. from your leadership and coming right. and taking stands and whatever it might be. So I think we just want to be able to put out there, there is not one size fits all. There's not one category. It's This is the way to evaluate fruit. This is the the way to, the other way to evaluate fruit. It, we have to almost put spiritual eyes on that only God can give us the mm. power of the Holy Spirit to look upon the work he's doing in our midst to truly accurately determine... Mm. The person who pastors in a church and they put a lot of stock on numeric growth and they're pastoring a town that the main factory closed five years right. before, that is just an impossible expectation to put right. on yourself. It already is un, unhelpful, I think, to put a numeric right. expectation anyways. But particularly when everything around you is saying, this church isn't going to numerically grow, what does fruitfulness look like in this town? So right. so that that's the first part of the the, the conversation we need to have. On the flip side, Jim, let's shift here. The other part of the conversation, and rightly so, is is my lack of fruit or maybe effectiveness that I see mm-hmm. coming because I'm really – I thought I was gifted. I thought I was called. Right. But I'm not. So let's turn there. How does how does a pastor try to evaluate that? He's, he's living in the moment. He's looking at his own ministry. He's trying to evaluate these things. He's discouraged. He's not seeing the fruit at least he wants to see. Right. What kind of questions does he need to be asking himself as he as he watches the church decline or watches the finances tank and and he's asking these questions? I think he needs to be able to listen constructively to potential criticism. And what I mean by that is I think you could have a situation where you have a congregation that, and the deacons come, they look at the books and they say, Pastor, you know, this is it's been a bad year and and they, they're, but they're able to have a realistic assessment of it. You know, so and so retired this year. They were one of our bigger givers. Yeah. Two so families and so. left. And, two families yeah. moved yep. because of this or that. Right. And you know, and but if they're able to say, brother, you know, we believe that you're a faithful man. That we're benefiting from your ministry. That's one thing. I think that can be a shot in the arm. You know, that that you know, somebody outside of your family. Uh, that is, you know, it's not just your wife saying you're the greatest preacher I've ever heard. I don't understand why, you know, you're, but but somebody that you that you believe loves you and loves the word. 
somebody that you believe has your best interest, the best interest of the church at heart. And they may say to you, may well say to you, brother, we believe you're a faithful man and we're thankful for you. We want to do all we can to help support us through this hard time. We believe God's calling us to persevere in faith. In faith. But if on the other hand, they're saying, brother, uh, you know, when people come, it, it's just evident that though we believe you're a godly man, you have a very hard time, you know, publicly in the presentation of the truth, and 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 hungry people are walking away hungry still, mm-hmm. and they're looking for a church sure. that's going to feed them. So I think that kind of that 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 openness, which again I think this brother showed in his note to us, he showed a willingness to consider. Well, you don't want to just look at yourself. You don't want to just evaluate yourself. You don't want to just trust yourself. In order to have a sober self-assessment, we sometimes we need to have an accurate standard of what that means. But we also need to have people that love us and care care about us and are willing to be honest with us. So I really appreciate you sharing that, and I agree with everything you said. But I do want to play devil's advocate a Go moment ahead. here, yeah. Because what a lot of and by the way, that's why I don't I don't disagree with anything you said. What is what I think is more typical is a, a pastor in that situation. Their deacons are coming to them and giving their evaluation, of, but they are judging it based on the people who don't come but don't stay. Right. They're judged on the, the money is decreasing. Right. And they're making that judgment on you based on those things. Right. So it's one thing for the pastor to evaluate his own fruitfulness that way. But what I'll just say, because you know I'm in revitalization circles all the time, right. unhealthy churches, dysfunctional right. leadership. And so I just want to throw this out there because this is a real common thing. No, Pastors right. are are wrestling through the same question without having those people in their own church to be able to do that for them. Right. Okay. Instead, they're yeah. coming along and saying they're they're actually putting more doubt in their mind because right. And that's why I, I mentioned I do think you know you want to have a spiritually minded person. You know, you, and you truth. did say that. Yeah, I, that's but, why I don't disagree with anything. Yeah. I just want to, but I want to add that part to this is that. No. Because I can, I'm envisioning hearing what you said, which again I agree with. Somebody listening is going, yeah, but I don't have anybody in my right, church that right, I trust right. like that. Yeah. So I, I want to throw that piece out there. Sometimes it, it, it does come to trust. So I want to add something uh, in support of what you said. If you don't have somebody in your church who can do what you articulate, right. it's crucially important that you have somebody in your life that that you trust that right. is for you. That can help you assess this. This so, is where this is where mentors yeah. have to to exist in every pastor's life. Yeah, because that mentor who knows you, feels you're gifted, or knows how you're not gifted, mm. can can speak to this in a way that you may not have somebody in your church with the maturity to be able to do that. And so, what I'm seeing is there's a lot of pastors asking this question, who don't have anybody in their church to help them just unbiasedly evaluate right. these things. They don't have a pastoral mentor or, a, I don't know, a seminary prof or a former pastor or just a friend to come along and go, no, no, you you have a gift to preach. Yeah, People aren't responding, but it's not because you're not gifted to do this. Versus, like you said, a friend to come along going, okay, so I, I think what you're saying is good and helpful, but you are dreadfully boring to listen yeah. to. And somebody who loves you enough to be able to say that, say, look, you're, yeah, you're doing exposition, fine, but you're doing exposition... You got five minutes of application at the end, and you're reading your manuscript. You're not remotely engaged with right. people. Now that doesn't bring fruit necessarily, but it is areas where somebody can evaluate: is this a gifting thing, or right. 
is this an area I need to grow? And those are two different conversations. Yeah. Wouldn't, you say, wouldn't you agree? I do. And and this is where I've wrestled a lot with the past and my having these kinds of discussions with, with people. I, I take the text, you know, John, John 10, uh, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. Right. And so I take that. That is a, that is a general truism about shepherds and their sheep. My sheep hear my voice. Yeah. And they follow, and that there is a following with that where there are she- where there is a shepherd and where there's sheep, there should be certain kinds of dynamics. So even in what you had said, Brian, that if a man's been at a congregation for an extended period of time, and and by that I'm, I'm even just going to add something like a year or two, right? And he's been faithfully he's been preaching week in and week out, and that ministry has not produced anyone who could offer a spiritually minded evaluation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I have said, I'm generally left with one of two conclusions. These aren't sheep or I'm not a shepherd. Okay. Yeah. And so that puts it really starkly. <clears throat> and that, you know, so that sometimes has to you come into this is what is the state of the people that I'm speaking to? Why hasn't that changed with the word? Is it possible that they're not sheep? I want to reiterate to you what you said is, I think, really helpful. That question you just posed, I want to go back to it. Either I'm not a shepherd, a called shepherd, or these aren't sheep. Right. And either one of those scenarios would produce a lack of fruit. Yes, they would. That, yep. right? yes. So so I think that just the way you framed that, I thought was really helpful, by the way. So those that's a really helpful question to ask. Uh, what else could we go to, Jim, in regard to, okay, you got a guy who's truly questioning maybe I'm not gifted for this, or maybe I'm not gifted for this role and I need to pursue another ministry type role. So mm. for example, a, a guy who, okay, I, I feel called to ministry. I feel like a shepherd, but it's clear. I don't think I probably have the strong enough preaching gifts to preach every week right. like I have been. How do you, how, What are some things we can tell somebody who's maybe wrestling with, there's a lack of gifting that is truly just causing a lack of fruit? Yeah, that I mean, I think in that situation that you have to, when you're putting it that starkly, uh, I think you really do have to stop and evaluate. This is probably what this is not what I should be doing, and, and that some kind of a change has to come about as a result of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think that you 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 can pray and you can lay. I mean, I, I think I think men can become more gifted. I, I think I think I men can learn certain things that can help them to become more effective preachers of the word. But there are other people, again, I think it's a quotation of my old pal Mickey from one of the Rocky movies, you can't put in what God left out. Uh And that's what you have to look at. That's when I'm trying to evaluate guys who have a desire to preach to say, okay, what, what is here that I can work with? But at other times you look at it and you go, look, you really ought to be as sincere as you are, as much as you want to serve the Lord. And this can be, Ryan, there's so many reasons why this is a hard conversation, particularly guys that have left everything, gone to seminary, right. almost bankrupted their family. They put all their eggs in one basket. They're not equipped to do anything else. They don't want to just work a menial job. Uh, and they now they feel like a failure. They feel like they missed a divine sign or signal. And it's a fake crisis, a faith uh, crisis, and and other things that come out as a result of that. But nobody ever stopped and told them along the way, "I don't think you should be doing this." Yeah, uh, yeah. You know that they've not been properly evaluated. They've gone through the seminary route. 
they've been perhaps part of a rubber stamping church that just, or maybe they want to just pass on that difficult conversation to somebody else and think, well, he'll eventually find out. Right, right. When you could have intervened, uh, you know, sooner in that and been helpful to somebody. But it can be a very difficult, you know, this is really laying a guy bare in a lot of ways, and maybe in a way he shouldn't have to, to recognize that this is not a sign of God's heart toward me. It's not a sign of, of my lack of faith or anything else. It's simply a recognition that the Lord has not put in me those gifts right. that produce. Now, of course, we can get back to the question, is it possible to have those gifts and, and yet it is not now producing because God's working at a different timetable and God has other things he's working in you or working in the congregation. He's withholding certain things that you desire because he has a longer term view in mind than we often do. Right. But even in that instance, there's usually going to be signs of, of spiritual fruit in the congregation. Yeah. As so should at least should be, be right. I think yes. Yeah. Agree. Okay. So, um, the, you you said something interesting, um, and I I want to go I want to go back to it. You you highlighted the vetting process of yeah. somebody's call, and we talked about we went we just mentioned a few minutes ago the the need for pastoral mentors to to be able to go to with this. I think you brought up something really practical, whether you realize you were sharing it or not. And that mm-hmm. is a guy wrestling with this currently. One of the things to evaluate is was I properly vetted before right. I went into the ministry. And I think that's a great place to start in the honest conversation. Right. And one of the answers to your question is, if you're asking the same question this guy sent in to us, maybe is, maybe I need to go back and probably be properly vetted hmm. and find a pastoral mentor or find someone who, who can walk with me through this, look, look at my ministry and help me kind of think through this, hmm. uh, instead of a guy who already knows me can come alongside me and look and go, no, no, you know, this is what's happening. So you actually touched on some of that. I think that can be a very practical yeah. way for someone to act now. It's not ideal, but I think it is the th- place to go if you did not get properly trained mm. and vetted you know, for the ministry. Before we wrap this, though, Jim, I have one more question I'm going to put out there. I wanted to save it to the end. Uh, this, is, this is probably going to complicate this all the more, but that's okay. Isn't fruitfulness um, found in faithfulness? So is is let me say it this way a faithful ministry mm. isn't that in itself fruit that honors Christ and builds the kingdom in some way Absolutely and and obviously again it's required of a steward not that he be found fruitful but faithful faithful well done good end faithful servant yeah and I, and I, you know we have to consider, you know, not just our own context, but the context of the world and how many men are laboring faithfully in small congregations. One of the fellows I met in Ecuador has got a ministry to men in a, in a, in a rainforest, jungle-type, you know, setting where people aren't able to read. You know, I, we were having some conversations about, you know, how to get congregations to grow and doctrine, and, you know, he raises his hand, you know, he said, uh, I, most of the men I speak to don't are illiterate. They don't read, right. They yeah. can't read. You yeah. know, they've grown up, again, he's, he's dealing with guys in loincloths and, you know, with bows and arrows in, the, in an Ecuadorian 
you know, jungle setting. And think, okay, so you'd have to stop and reevaluate. Like, okay, I, I'm looking at faithfulness and fruit in my own context right. um, of a Western context. And that there are so many unknown, unheralded small church pastors who will receive a wonderful reward on the last day. And they they stuck to their guns with without all the encouragement, without the love notes from their congregation, without the pat on the back, without right. the uh, other tokens of whether it's downloads or or you know people commending or going to preach at other places, whatever things that might be encouragement to a guy that hey I've got gifts. They've just continued to be willing to labor. Yeah. I believe there is a great reward. In fact, I think we're going to be surprised on the last day to find that it may well be that some of them are at the top of those that the Lord rewards, and the and the famous names and the big names and the conference names, or as it were, maybe going to shine the shoes. If I can use that analogy, of I think guys you're right. Who are, I do too. Yeah. Who who just labored without the reward until the heavenly reward? Yeah, no, that's good. I. I pose that question obviously because I do think there is an element to that that faithfulness is the goal. I, I find myself we say this all that all the time around here that yeah. this this is not about achieving a certain level or or accomplishing this or that. It's being faithful to what God's called you to yeah. in the place He's called you to it. Right. And I think one of the reasons we love stories like the conversion of Spurgeon is because he he wandered into a church where and and a layman you know stood up who. Yeah. Was not remotely impressive or probably even gifted to preach. Right, he had to fill in because there was a snowstorm and there were ten people sitting there, and and Spurgeon's converted through that. I mean, I think we, you know, the reason we tell that story. I mean, it's not just because it's Spurgeon. It, it's it's a story that shows that God uses whoever He wants right. to use to accomplish His work. So I want to just as we wrap this episode, I want to advocate in general. If you're asking that question of is this, you know, my gift, is this a giftedness thing? Is this I'm evaluating fruit wrong? It's like the, the ultimate question is, or the answer to this question is just be faithful mm. where you are with what you believe to the best of your ability and understanding that God's called you to do there. And even if there's, you don't see the fruit, even if there's not measured fruit, you can see with your mm. human limited eyes. Right. That doesn't mean God is not at work. And and to, to think that because we don't see this and this, that we, we, Ignore the fact that there's a thousand other things God's doing right. in our midst that we can't see and we don't know about. So to wrap this episode, I feel compelled to want to say that. I think this is because we've done a whole episode on this, Jim. Right. But I think this is an important conversation to have ultimately because I think it's always good to evaluate ourselves, always good to ask, am I really gifted for this? Right. But ultimately, you know, God is calling us to be faithful wherever you are, doing whatever you're doing. Be faithful in that. Try to grow the best you can in it. And if you discover you, man, I'm not gifted for this, or I don't have the passion for this, or whatever, now yeah, then maybe a change needs to be made. But, but I, I, I think we often put too much focus on giftedness, and we don't put as much focus on just a, a, a willingness to be faithful and tenacious and to persevere to serve the Lord the best we can. Yeah, because and, we have. On the other hand, Brian, you know, there have been very men with great quote unquote fruitfulness have not been faithful. Indeed. And far better to be on the side yeah. uh, that you're articulating. No here. doubt. So, so will you take a minute, Jim, and, yeah. and pray for those struggling in this way? Yeah. Uh, Heavenly Father, we recognize that even some of what we have said today uh, we fear would be a source of discouragement from somebody who doesn't need that. Um, others, Lord, need help in soberly assessing themselves. Others need 
a fresh sense of your pleasure upon them and to continue and preach the next text and uh, pray for the next person and love the next sheep that comes before them. Father, just help them step by step, uh, year by year, uh, to be faithful to you. Father, we do pray that we would keep our eyes on the prize, on that, on the reward of our Savior, uh, not that which comes necessarily in this life through the recognition of others, but Lord, but to hear our Savior say, well done, good and faithful servant is our reward. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Amen.